Welcome, and thank you for joining Discipleship Conditioning, where we present anatomy through a biblical lens. Prayer requests, as always, can be made via prayer at erratphysiology.com. Over the weekend, uh, I started investigating uh, AI technology and new applications that exist. I also started looking into affiliate programs for organizations that I am affiliated with and would like to share. And so two things. One, if you're interested in any of the AI tools that I found out about, uh, you can send me an email and I'll get those to you. I've kind of compiled a list, a short list of the tools that I'm going to be using primarily. One is going to basically replace Google, and the other one is going to replace Google Scholar for me. So um, many cool tools, but those two in particular kind of take the cake, and I'm very thankful they exist. And then as far as affiliate links, just as sort of a disclaimer, this show is self-sponsored, and to keep ads away from this show... I hang tight to the idea that I believe listeners are looking to be directed to a website more so than being pummeled with ads. And if you look at it from the podcaster perspective, you have to have a substantial amount of downloads to have a a significant amount of monetization and kickback. And all the... Relevance or non-relevance of advertisements that your consumers go through to me just isn't worth it. And so what I'd like to do is direct you to our website, airatphysiology.com. And what I'd like to do is offer affiliate links for products that you may be interested in. To continue the disclaimer, just know that you will never receive an affiliate link from me if it's going to include a cost that is additional to you. So as a brief example, I recently joined a Christian entrepreneur group in community through 48 Days. And it's super ironic because the president of 48 Days, his name is Dan Miller. So it was kind of fun when I logged on there and introduced myself because... Obviously, I have the same name. The older I get, the more I'm going by Daniel. So on that profile, I've I've used the first name Daniel instead of Dan um, to kind of help with things. And also, I'm just becoming more proud of the name Daniel. And for some reason, when I was a kid, I was embarrassed by that. I, I wanted it to be called Dan instead of Daniel. Anyways, with that program specifically, it costs $48 a month, and the affiliate program offers 25%. So for every person that you refer that uses your link, of the $48 that they spend per month, you get 12 Now again, if you were to organically find the community in a logon, it would cost you $48 a month. If you use an existing member's affiliate link, it costs you $48 a month. 
the organization very generously gives you a 25% kickback, but the customer sees no difference. And so as I look into more and more affiliate programs and AI tools for that matter, I'm looking for things that aren't going to incur an additional cost for you. If the affiliate program says, well, we're going to charge customers $58 a month to cover 10 of the 12 that we're going to give you, I'm not going to recommend that to you. Okay. Um, If I were, it would be just to go on their website and log on for the lowest price. I'm only going to provide an affiliate link at the bottom of the show description if it does not cost you anything additional from what you would normally pay if you found it the same way that I did. So just know that. And if there are any um, pieces of equipment that I use, products that I use or otherwise that you're interested in, chances are there'll be an affiliate link down below. And if there isn't, just email me, hello at erratphysiology.com. And I'll send you that list of AI tools and I'll send you what affiliate pertains to what you're looking for. But again, this is a way to keep the show going and sponsored in a way without inducing ads that are irrelevant to the audience. By the end of this podcast, you will know about peace and freedom experienced with the Holy Spirit and how without him, there is pain and stress. So we're going to take more of a a life application and experience today, and then we're going to relate it back to stress that we've talked about before to relate it to anatomy. We serve men ages between 20 and 40 who have ever felt persecuted over their God-given qualities through anecdotal experiences in life as well as the field of anatomy, and more importantly, this classic truth of the Bible, we teach how God's word impacts every facet of our lives. We are faced with a problem of societal influence outweighing biblical influence, which leads to our succumbing to the evil tactics intended to destroy us. And so we serve brothers and thereby sisters with authenticity in the midst of change ourselves through our calling and ministry as teachers relating the often opposed two subjects of anatomy and the Bible. Now, as I'm growing and learning and uh, seeking mentorship in business, I'm learning the value of story and the value of relation. And so what I'd like to do is share with you a story. And story provided, I'd like to share a story with you every podcast And sometimes I don't know until right before the show starts and I pray about it, uh, what the story is going to be. Sometimes I know a few days in advance. Now, interestingly, today, it's about 7 o'clock in the morning here in Boise, Idaho. About 6 o'clock in the morning, I jump on the computer and start preparing for the podcast. I have some notes written from the days prior, kind of as they come to me. So I compile all those. And I happened to check my Facebook and I noticed that I had an accepted friend request. And I've friended a lot of people that I went to high school with and a lot of people that I haven't seen since high school. 
and frankly, a lot of people at my high school that I saw very little in high school and certainly haven't seen them since high school. I graduated in high school with 2,000 kids. Um, freshman year, our class alone was like 950 kids. So to this day, I'll meet people that I went to high school with that I've never met before, or I don't think that I've ever met before. Now, this story is, is a different instance. I certainly have met this young lady and uh, was surprised when she accepted my friend request. I don't think I would have if I was in her shoes. And the reason why I wouldn't have is because when we were freshmen and sophomores in high school, and maybe junior and senior year as well, but I seem to remember it most freshman and sophomore year. So I was about 14, 15. I remember making fun of this lady, just giving her a really hard time. And uh, I was using her last name as a play on words, um, just not not to intentionally make her feel bad about herself, but to, I guess in some way, in a petulant teenager way, to kind of cope with the pain that I was experiencing. And so this morning I sent her a message saying, thank you for the a friend request acceptance. And I know we have our 20-year school reunion coming up and I can't believe how crazy that sounds but let me just take a moment to say I'm sorry I'm sorry it's I'm sorry that the apology didn't come sooner it should have uh, I think about it on and off again in the last 20 years it is something that I feel guilty of it's something that I uh, grapple with not on a daily basis but quite literally a monthly basis, it'll come up. And uh, I'm seeking seeking forgiveness. And I, I don't know what'll come of that message, but as I develop as a Christian, I understand more and more how important forgiveness is. And the interesting thing about trauma is if we were to look at my life and blame one person, which wouldn't be fair, but if you were to look at my entire story and blame one person for all my troubles, which again is ridiculous, most people would come to the conclusion that my biological mother uh, is to blame, is the main antagonist in my story. But the interesting thing about trauma is that the trauma inflicted by my mother then manifests as me inflicting trauma on other individuals. And it's kind of like social networking. If you say hi to five people in your network and they say hi to five more, now you're at 25. If they say hi to five more, you're at 125, so on and so forth. Trauma kind of spreads in a similar way. One person affects you, but then you affect, and you may have been one of five people they affected, and then you affect five people, and then they all affect five people. And it's just this cancer that spreads through our society. And... I don't believe that the trauma that I caused relates to the traumatic experience that I received, but I don't know because it's not up to me how that trauma was perceived. It's up to the person receiving my insults and receiving my terrible words to decide whether this is uh, something that's going to stick with them. 
Now, I haven't received a message back, but I did receive a sort of heart um, like or a love, I guess you call it, for your message or for your post. And this was a message, not a post. This was, was private, not public. Um, and so I don't know how much this person has been affected by this over the years, but based on the promptness of the loving of the message, my guess is the person still remembers and probably has thought about it over time. And that, that pains me and that saddens me greatly. And so again, if that individual is listening, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for that. Um, know that I'm in a different position now. We're going to talk about this today with freedom and escaping from things. Um, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people I have to say I'm sorry to. Um, and I could tell a story on each person I've impacted negatively in my life. And I hope that they all have the grace to forgive me and are hopefully motivated by the position that I'm in today versus where I was. The only excuse I can use for my actions is that I was in pain myself and we as people choose to forecast our pain in very silly, very strange ways. And that was, that was a way as a 15, 14, 15 year old boy uh, that I elected to handle my pain. And so hopefully that motivates you if there's someone in your life that you owe an apology to. Hopefully you're motivated to do that. What gets me thinking about stories like these is the Bible. And specifically our verses today, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, apart from being a pedestal that a lot of Trinitarians will stand on and say that uh, this is proof that the Holy Spirit is God, uh, I being one of those Trinitarians, Apart from that, because that's not the direction of this podcast, I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm just a uh, middle-aged guy who's been through a lot of stuff and is uh, hoping to share my experiences and my education with you. But apart from that being something that you'll often hear, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 specifically, but 17 and 18, uh, used as... The first word that pops out to me is freedom. It's how I've titled this podcast. There's a section in verse 17 that says there is freedom. That's how verse 17 concludes. And for me, it ties in with the story that we just spoke to. But for me, it's back to the analogy that I've mentioned before where trauma is strange. It's almost like a knife wounding you, someone wounding you with that knife. And then they're gone. 
but then you take out the knife and you repetitively wound yourself year after year. I mean, it makes no sense. I think a better analogy that I've used in the past on this show and and in conversations with others that I think resonates with more people is trauma is like after the traumatic event, it's like taking poison but expecting the other person to succumb to the poison. Um, For any of you that have experienced trauma, it is rough. It is rough how much we beat up ourselves. And uh, no discredit to the people that I've heard and hurt in my life, but the things that I've said to myself far outweigh the things that I've said to other people. And that's probably true of most of us. I don't know why we're so cruel to ourselves. I think it's probably just a symptom of the sin that we live in in this world. But trauma is is really interesting. It fascinates me. I almost went a different direction uh, when I exited my bachelor's and went into a master's. Instead of a master's of kinesiology, I almost went into a master's of counseling. Because trauma is is that interesting uh, to me. So when we look at there is freedom, being protected from the pain and repetitive traumatic inflictions with the holy spirit we now can have a level of protection from that pain when i'm using the knife to reinflict pain when i'm taking the poison i now don't do that i know i now don't have the tendency to do that because there's a level of Forgiveness for myself and forgiveness for those who have created trauma in my life. And that forgiveness is the only way you gain freedom from the trauma. That forgiveness, I associate with the spirit within me, with the process of being born again. My wife often cites the verse, a peace that surmounts all understanding, surpasses all understanding. One of her favorites. And it's true. With the Holy Spirit by your side, there's a level of peace that I don't deserve, but I'm able to get anyways. And so when I say sorry, and I genuinely apologize for things that I've done in my past, it's genuine because someone's paid the tab for me. Jesus on the cross, a sinless man bearing the sins of us all, I've heard described oftentimes as you having a speeding ticket, but someone paying the fine for you. And the comparison is is almost not even worth mentioning. It's so uncomparable and ridiculous. What Jesus does for us is far more than somebody paying off your bill or paying off your fine. But in both instances, they didn't have to do that. You were the one responsible. You were the one that caused your own issues and your own troubles. You need to be the one to stand up and take care of it yourself. And for somebody to take that trouble away just makes you want to carry it on. It's like the complete antithesis of trauma. It's where you are so motivated 
by the saving grace that you've experienced that you want to motivate five people and you hope that they motivate five people and you hope that those five people motivate five people. And so we use this term homeostasis in my field often in anatomy and physiology, but if you think of kind of an, uh, a child, a new newborn child is homeostasis that has not had trauma inflicted on them um, and hasn't to this point really had a need for grace because they haven't done much, if anything, wrong. And on one side, as soon as trauma ensues, it's like a ripple effect where, again, these five people affect five more and five more and five more. I'm just using five as an arbitrary number. It's much more than five. Unfortunately, I've been cruel to many more than five people. But then on the other side, with that saving grace, it's so equally motivating in a positive manner, in opposition to the trauma, that you want to do the same thing. And so I wasn't necessarily planning on going this direction with this part of the podcast, but as I feel it placed on my heart, um, many of you have experienced someone knocking on your door to talk to you about God. Many of you have experienced someone in the park or downtown uh, wanting to have a similar message. Uh, maybe you've experienced ministries. Uh, maybe you've experienced a church group that you went to once and, and you didn't go back. And a lot of us have this judgment on people that promote the gospel and promote Jesus Christ in a way that I'm doing now has just kind of weird and there's something off to them. But from my heart to yours, I want you to know that that's how I think of it. I think of it as the antithesis of trauma. And so I'm not trying to tell you about Jesus to annoy you. I'm trying to tell you about Jesus because I love you. In the same way that if we had both uh, been alcoholics and had story after story we could recount on uh, just the ridiculousness associated with alcoholism and the parties and everything else, we would relate on that traumatic front. And we'd probably become closer friends because we have something that hurt us both and probably hurt other people in our lives that we can relate with. And hopefully we relate in that way to get better and move forward in our lives. Much in the same, I'm trying to share the gospel in a similar way that others have shared it with me because I see how impactful it is on my lives. And I think that's also why sometimes you see the most zealous Christians be the ones with some of the darkest pasts because to be forgiven for some of the things that you've gone through doesn't seem right or, or fair. And you can't help yourself, but tell others. I have a, a close friend that um, in my secular days, he was born again and uh, he would call us heathens. And uh, he, he didn't really know how to approach sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. But he was very forefront in how we would be perceived uh, based on our current actions. 
And it was always when he'd say, you guys are heathens, in sort of a joking way, it was always to open the conversation. And even then, I kind of recognized that, but I most certainly recognize it more now, that he loved us. And he wasn't saying it to be mean to us. He was saying it to sort of splash us with cold water and have a genuine conversation. And I still have friends that I talk with about those stories and those instances who can't see um, why that happened or just see that he was being rude to us. And I think a lot of Christians are perceived as rude when we do things like that. And for one, we're sinful humans, and so we're never going to do it properly. We're never going to show the compassion and grace that Jesus showed. We're never going to be that successful at it. It's like me going to church expecting a room full of Jesuses. I'm always going to be disappointed, right? But we say those things because we love the person we're saying them to. You actually, in my opinion, should be more offended if you know your friend is Christian and you are not, and the person never talks to you about Jesus. Because the, the love truly is not genuine there if that happens. They love you so much more to share with you the truth and what has freed them in their lives so that you can experience the same freedoms. Does that require talking about things that are difficult, that are upsetting? Yes, usually it does. Um, but you have to go through that pain to get to the freedom. And that's what many of us as Christians that are evangelizing are trying to do. And so hopefully there's something in there that you resonate with and something that helps you understand more where your annoying Christian brother or sister is coming from. Maybe that's me. I don't know. Um, but it's really coming from a place of experienced grace and love. And we want to share that. We don't want to harbor that. We don't want to selfishly just accept it for ourselves and say, who, who cares what happens to the other individual? If that was the case, that's probably a sign that the person genuinely is not born again. Because if you've genuinely been born again, you can't help but want to share this with other people so that they can experience the same love and freedom. And all people, not just people that you've affected in your life, not just people that you're close with, that you've bonded with, but all people, genuinely all people. There is God within every single person. We are all image bearers of God. And even the person that irritates you more than anyone else, that is on a sinful human side. In that person, they are an image bearer of God. And we have to treat them as such and we have to share this freedom with them. And Christians will approach it differently. I relate that to Ephesians 4.11 on what we're called to, uh, to be for the church and the betterment and the growth of the church. For me, I've, I mention every podcast that we are teachers. And so that's, that's how we evangelize is through our teaching. Next section, being transformed into the same image. This just kind of coattails off of the previous discussion that I just had. And it's, it's a process 
of being transformed day by day. I've probably mentioned this story before, but I felt like when I accepted Jesus into my life and I entered church, it was advertised, and I don't agree with this advertisement, but this is commonplace. It was advertised that if you say this prayer, if you accept Jesus into your life, if you accept him as the son of God and your savior, that you're, you're good. You've just been saved. And as I grow as a Christian, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe it's that simple. It's an experience, a genuine experience. I do believe that there can be deathbed atheists that are converted on their deathbed. Um, but it's, it's related to a genuine nature. I think it's more difficult for somebody in that position to sort of be born again in that moment because of their length of life that they've lived in one specific way. But I do believe it is possible. What I used to get frustrated with is I would enter church, I would say that prayer, and one, I would feel like nothing changed because it wasn't genuine. And two, I would get frustrated because every church service, it was a challenge on what can we do next? What can we do better? And I'd walk away thinking, this is the biggest hoax there is. Like you're, you're telling me, I say this one thing and I'm good, but then you require all the stuff of me. And maybe you feel the same way with church. Maybe you do. I felt that way for a number of years, even as a kid, a teenager, a young adult. And it's why if I went to church in my mid twenties, it was like two or three times and then I would stop going. Uh, it's because I, I always felt that there was more required of me. But when you're truly transformed into the same image, when you have the Holy Spirit by your side, like I mentioned before, you can't help but want to share the grace. You also can't help but want to get better. And what I now realize is once that genuine experience occurs, there's a process known as sanctification. And it's it's becoming a better Christian. So all those churches that were promoting the message of next step we have to take, next step we have to take, they were motivate, motivated opposite to my irritation because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they quite simply felt compelled and wanted to get better and better and better. Again, it goes back to when you receive that grace, how motivating it is to do better in your own lives. Without it, we turn to a world of sin. We turn to a world of stress. You can refer back to a couple weeks ago. We talked about the stress response and the cortisol and the epinephrine, norepinephrine, everything related to the stress response and how it's, it's quite literally analogous to that poison, drinking poison analogy. But a lot of this stuff I couldn't see until I... I was saved and I experienced sort of the big picture and I can reflect back and realize I was irritated in the past because it wasn't a genuine conversion. It wasn't a genuine experience. I was saying a prayer to try and get myself out of trouble, not because I genuinely believed what I was being taught, uh, whether it was timing in my life, understanding, I'm not sure. 
I'm just so thankful that God is a patient God and he was patient enough to wait until I was ready and to, and to more accurately keep me alive until I was ready for the message. I, I could go on and on and on about stories on why I shouldn't be here today with stupid stuff that I did in my late teens and early 20s and even mid-20s. Um, but for me, that's just another layer of the onion on how genuine this relationship with God is and how deep and impactful it is. Because if you've had the life that I've had and you're still walking today, there's no way there cannot be a heavenly father. There's no way. I, I've i experienced some surreal things in life <clears throat> that the only way you walk away from the situation, excuse me, <clears throat> the only way you walk away from the situation being alive is because of divine nature. It's because of God. In that moment. And I love stories like that where you hear about a mother lifting a car off a child and, you know, many stories to that nature where you know that God was involved in that or where there was certain death for this individual, but they somehow survived. So motivating. And we conclude Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18 with from one degree of glory to another. And this just continues the conversation on how our path is different. We start in different places and we continue in different places. And I'll sum it up with our peace and journey may take and often do take different journeys. And that's analogous to the path of success, specifically as I relate it in the world of business, uh, because in the world of entrepreneurship that I'm invested in a tremendous amount of time into, one of the things that I'm learning is just take the next step and don't go online looking for somebody to tell you the nine step program to success and take those exact same steps because you may have to start at step three and then take step seven and then take step six and then five and then one and two. The order is going to be completely different for you than it is the next person. And so that analogy reigns true for the process of sanctification. The steps that I'm going to take are different than the steps um, pastoral staff at my church are going to take. And that's okay. What that leads to is no longer sort of this ladder analogy where you're a little bit further on the ladder and there's people below you you can help and there's people ahead of you that can help you. But it's almost sort of this spider web rather than a ladder where in some areas I've experienced a lot. And so there's people that I can help that are not as far outreached on that web as I am. But then there's other areas where I'm very much an infant and I need a lot of help in that regard. And I think that's a cool thing about our human experience and our human journeys is our paths are different. Uh, and, and it's not the person has to be older than you to teach you something. There's just as much I can learn from someone that's been through something I haven't who's younger than me just as I can to someone that's older than me. And so that's our unique human experience. And it's 
it's interesting and it's motivating to me to be humble enough to learn from all individuals. Now we've placed our self-sponsorship in a little different place in the podcast today, right here at the end. Just as a reminder, we are self-sponsored, errorphysiology.com. We offer vlog-style articles, courses, this faith-based podcast, and a summer camp coming up in July. If you're interested in anything we have going on, please check out the website, errorphysiology.com. I mentioned last episode that it is down and it is technically somewhat functional. It's not completely down. You can go check it out, but many of the features uh, that made it a fully functional website have been removed. Um, I think I mentioned last episode why that happened. And uh, anyways, I'm in the process of creating a new website for us and getting that open uh, hopefully this week or next week. Uh, But in the meantime, our emails work the same as they always have. Hello at erratphysiology.com is a good way to get a hold of us to ask about those vlog style articles that we have, courses we have, more about something we've spoken to in this faith-based podcast, or even the summer camp that will be held this summer. And let's conclude with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this, our heaven, our Father in heaven, excuse me, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.